is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. And while you're there on the listening platforms and over on YouTube, go check out the links that we have in the description of the show. We've got everything custom designs. We have an Etsy link and a Facebook link. It's our friend Haley Wagner's business. You can go check that out and get customized clothing. Um, it's too late for Christmas, but we did mention in the uh, Steelers episode, but maybe you can get a jump start on some Valentine's Day stuff. We've, we've had a theme of holidays. It is the, ho- it is the holiday season, um, but she does more than holiday stuff. She does customized clothing, whether that's sportswear. I mean, if you want Pittsburgh wear anything, she does a lot of ki- kids stuff as well, but I've got some stuff. My mom's got some stuff. Smitty's got some stuff. Go check that out again. Facebook and Etsy link in the description of the show over on the listening platforms and on YouTube. This is the Penguin Show. Still working yeah, around out the four one two penguin show, yeah. Still working out We're the kinks on how to get get it out of my mouth. It's a work in progress. Um, the penguins uh, only played two games since we last spoke. Uh, Saturday against the Maple Leafs, Monday against the Wild, which did not include an appearance in the game from Mark Andre Fleury, much to the chagrin of those in attendance who chanted for him, I believe, three times at least. Uh, in that one, but we'll take a step back to that Maple Leafs game first because uh, seven nothing they lose that contest to the Maple Leafs. I mentioned on here I thought it could be a fun one, you know, a fast paced one. The Maple Leafs had a lot of similar warts to the Penguins in terms of their end zone defense, like they're pretty good in transition. But, you know, if you can possess the puck in their offensive zone, they'll give up a ton. Uh, I thought it'd be an up and down game where, you know, shots and goals were just uh, a plenty. And for one team, that was definitely the case. That team was the Toronto Maple Leafs winning this one seven to nothing. Not a lot to take home from this one, but I think it really magnified. Um, and I don't want to harp on just one guy here because when you lose seven nothing, I think there's a lot of a lot of guys that can take blame for that being the result. But um, I think it's only gotten worse for Ryan Graves, uh, seemingly with each passing game, so much to the point where that he's not. And I don't know that this is the way to go about it, because I don't know how I feel about a pairing of him and Eric Carlson. Um, but no longer on that top pairing right now with Chris Letang working with Eric Carlson on the second pairing. Um, but yeah, the early returns for Ryan Graves have not been good. And, uh, you know, we were talking before this and you mentioned um, some other names to me of guys that, you know, ha- have kind of struggled even in Penguins lore to get acclimated quickly. And then obviously were able to find their games, whether it be Sergey Gonch or Paul Martin, who was an underrated Penguin in my mind, you know, got a lot of hate probably because of those teams that he played on were some of the, you know, not, not the best teams in those early 2010 Penguins days, but um, yeah, you know, so maybe he's still just finding his footing. Uh, we got to get again, our guy, Josh gets off who brings us into the show back on here so we can kind of berate him for the addition because he wanted uh, Ryan Graves here uh, this <laughs> offseason. But uh, all seriousness, I, I wonder if this could be a good thing for him, maybe dropping down in the lineup a little bit. I w- Again, I don't know that putting him with Eric Carlson is necessarily the answer. I think that's a, it's a bad mix for you. A defense. nightmare waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think maybe it does supply him with a little bit of a wake-up call. Um for his play. And I'm not saying it's a lack of effort or anything like that. I don't know what the reason is, but very clearly he just has not fit into the penguin system the way that we had hoped early on. 
Well, maybe it'll do an opposite thing of what it was doing with Latang, right? We, we had talked about how maybe Latang's play has changed this season, and there's a noticeable difference in the sense that he's not being all the time the offensive uh, defenseman that he was or has been in the past, and he's taken on a more defensive role. Maybe it'll have an mm-hmm. opposite effect with Graves and saying, like, okay, now I have Eric Carlson as a pairing partner. And so I need to step up defensively to allow him to be able to create offensively like he does. Because obviously with Eric Carlson, even though he plays defense, offense is still number one priority if we're being completely honest. So when it comes to his pairing partner, he's going to have to be that much better in in the defensive zone. And so that's why whenever it was Marcus Pedersen, no problem. Marcus Pedersen, arguably the most sound and responsible defenseman on the team when it comes to being in his own end and, and being defensive. Ryan Graves will have to just look at that and improve his play from there. Like, I don't, I don't care, especially on a pairing with Eric Carlson. I don't care if you score a single point, how much offense you generate as an individual player. As long as you are defensively sound or at least defensively improved upon what you were with Chris Letang, I think that it could uh, cause be a cause for more success. However, like, like we've talked about and other people have mentioned, it's like, is, is the second pairing low enough? right now for Ryan Graves should it even be lower because of the sum is it just because of the contract that he has that he's not being moved to a third line if not a press box for a few games that's an interesting question and and John Ludwig has has kind of I feel like flown under the radar with the way that he's played as of late too um they went with him as opposed to Ryan Shea heck they're going with him over a POJ right now as well, they've liked his game that much. But, yeah, I feel like he's kind of added an element that they don't have to this team right now. Now, that's the thing is, like, it's weird. This is, might be a stupid opinion. But if you're keeping a guy in the on the third pairing, it makes sense for it to be Ludwig. But is it weird or stupid that my mind would change if you're talking about needing a guy to play in the top four for, to give POJ another look? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, we talk about it with the forwards, right? We talked about it literally just last week, how we thought and viewed that Valtteri Pustin would probably do do better if the time came for Damn. when people came back, and he's looked good. He he has looked good. Yeah. He continued to impress. He, but we we said like based off the skill set, that's a guy that you would think would probably perform better if he stayed within a top six role as opposed to moving down to like a fourth line whenever like guys like Raquel and Russ come back. And I, I think the same for POJ. I don't think that he's going to be utilized that much in a third pairing role, or at least I, I think that his skill set is better than that. And so if they were going to introduce them, I do think in a top four pairing that that could work out. And honestly, if they did move Graves down lower and if they wanted to put either POJ up with Latang or put put Pedersen, uh, put Pedersen, keep Pedersen with Latang and put POJ and try him out with Eric Carlson, I think that that would do better for POJ's game than it would anything else. And so I'd be more okay with that. And I I think that it just goes back to the skill set because just like we have offensive players that we think we're going to do better with more highly skilled players and in different like situations, defensemen are the same way. Like I I, I definitely think that Chris Letang would thrive more as a first pairing defenseman than he would a third pairing defenseman. Obviously he'd thrive no matter what. He's Chris Letang, but still the, the, the circumstances change. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is I just feel like POJ would make more sense to get another look if you're looking for somebody to play within the top four. If you're slotting Ryan Graves on a third pairing role for the time being, so that's interesting. Glad you brought up Pustin in because uh, I feel like he's kind of just continued to. I don't know if I'd say shine. Like I don't know if I want to put that type of word attached to him right now with what he's done, but he certainly looks like he belongs. He's been involved. He's like a miscast. Yeah, and he's part of their success for sure. Uh, when you look at their power play resurgence over the last week, um, he's he's been part of that top unit, and I feel like playing a key role for them had another primary assist on a uh, Geno goal against the Wild. So yeah, I think he looks like he belongs, and what a hit that would be. Like we feel like we we talked about this before, like they need one of these guys to hit right with how like depleted we feel like the system is and not really having like much in terms of legit prospects down there. They kind of need like a Valtteri Pust and then maybe somebody that you didn't expect to turn into much at the NHL level. Like could he be an NHL player? Sure. But it's a whole new level. If you're talking about a guy that can play within the top six at the NHL level. Now I'm not saying that this is going to last or be anything like that, but the early returns are certainly looking good. And if these continue on and the Penguins did find something that totally changes the conversation for me in terms of what you're looking for this team to address because you're going to get Brian Rust back at some point, obviously, and then you got a decision to make, obviously, with how you structure the lines, and we talked about that last episode. You know, is it Rust that drops down? Is it Raquel that drops down, or is it Pustin? And you see if he can continue to emulate that success in a third-line role. I don't know. Um, but you're looking for, it changes your needs, right? If, if you're going to be a buyer at the deadline and with the way that this roster is constructed, I feel like they kind of need to be, even if they sit exactly in the same spot where they're at right now, in my opinion, you got to keep pushing the chips in to see what you can juice out of this roster. Um, it totally changes the conversation for me in terms of what you're looking for. Like maybe you need like a bot one bottom six piece or something like that, as opposed to chasing a, a top six forward because you got a guy like Valtteri Pust and who you feel like you got. Yeah, I, I I look back and I I always relate to to what the Penguins are doing when they went on these cup runs, and that's obviously something that's easy to do because you want to be like those teams. Something they got yeah. in that the 2015-16 Cup, that first of the back to back, was young guys coming up that we may and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't I don't remember whenever we were calling up guys like Connor Sherry, Brian Russ, Tom Kunakel, Scott Wilson, like all those guys. I don't remember that much hype around those guys. I think that no. there was just change. Well, it's funny because like it was the following year where it was like just Jake Gensel. He was the only, it wasn't like a big infusion of guys. It was just Jake Gensel that was brought up. He was the one that was like more heralded than that. Obviously not knowing what he would turn into at this level next to Sid, but like he had much more prospect status than that whole wave that came up the previous year. Yeah. And so when I look at guys that came up, like the guys that I just mentioned, that's something that obviously hit for the Penguins at the right time and was something that stuck was these young guys, not only are they going to replace some of the guys that haven't been playing that well and some of the guys that the Penguins got rid of, but they can also play at this level and they could play well at this level. And maybe that's something that they need to find in a guy like Valtteri Pustinen if they want to take that next step in improving this team and getting back to the playoffs. You need to hit on players like this. Like we, we and we mentioned this last week when we were talking about Pustinen. When you look at like players that are in their system, not that they're very very many because they don't really have any, mm-hmm. very many players that are actual NHL prospects um, or NHL prospering prospects. But I, I think that this is someone that you could relate to 
a similar situation that you had with guys like Sherry and Rust and Kunakle and and, and and stuff like that, where it's a guy that you never didn't necessarily expect to play um, in the role that he's playing in, but he's playing in it well, and he, when given the opportunity, and so that improves your team moving forward. And as the Penguins played in that 2016 season, and as they were going into playoffs, like the Penguins adjusted their their roster, adjusted their lines. So to fit the best case scenario, I don't think anybody would have thought that in that 2016 season that we would have Connor Sherry on the top line playing with Sidney Crosby. I don't think anybody would have thought that. And so maybe not a lot of people thought that Valtteri Pustin would stick on that second line with Evgeny Malkin and Riley Smith going in on a playoff run or, 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 or trying to charge to the playoffs come spring. But that's someone that the Penguins needed to hit, and it's something that the Penguins needed to happen because of the questions that we had of who's actually going to be filling up this roster because there's so many guys filling up a few spots. And if mm-hmm. Alper- Terry Poussin is someone that can stick, and then you have a situation like we talked about last week where you have Raquel and have Russ coming back, and that's taking away some roster spots from guys that were more or less questioning and having bona fide actual NHL starting players in those roles like we when the, the example I gave of maybe you have Rust move down to the third line and you have a right wing of Raquel Pustin and Rust or whether it's or Rust Pustin and Raquel whatever you want to make it I think that's making your team better so the fact that he's been able to and granted the, the sample size is still tiny I mean we sure, still have a long yeah. long season to go but the early returns are very promising and he he's clearly driving offense he's clearly for checking and, and doing things well and he's staying on that second line so i i, I think that pustinen has been a much needed and, and welcomed addition to this team in his limited role and i think that as long as he keeps playing this way he reminds me of some of those young guys that we had in those cup runs where we we brought them up and we didn't necessarily know at the time that they were going to stick around and be full-time nhl players and have the impact that they did but they ended up having it. And so maybe that is something and he could be someone like that come the rest of the season. Yeah. In this game against the wild five guys had multi-point nights, Gino, Sid, Jake. Yeah. 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 Valtteri Pustinen two assists. The other one, Marcus Pedersen with two assists in this game too. Are we talking enough about Marcus Pedersen? I feel like he just continues to get better too. Like we were singing his praises last year with how good he was. I feel like he kind of all goes back to. I feel like he, I feel like he kind of broke out that playoff. I know they only played one series, but him and John Marino in that playoff series against the Rangers. I feel like since then it's been very obvious that he is their best defensive defenseman. But I feel like he's even contributing a little bit more offensively this year. There's like times where he's you know pinching, getting to the net, so doing some different things, and uh, I feel like he's still like just so underrated. I don't know that he gets talked about as one of the better uh, defensive defensemen around the league, but if you look at the underlying numbers, they're, they're right there. He, I mean, we just talked about this guy a little bit, but he is our Brian Dumoulin. Like he, he is our Brian Dumoulin. You just, you just of, want to bring everything back to those 2015, listen, 2017 Penguins. Because that was the glory <laughs> days. Okay. That was, that was our peak. Okay. Yeah. Ever since we created this podcast, they haven't, they, they haven't been back the, the year, the, the second year of the back to back. We started the podcast yeah. and they've won one playoff yeah. series. Since. I really thought, I really thought when Herb left, we were about to go on a run again. 
You're gonna have to clip that part, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just that's joke, what we needed. Joke. That's what we needed. Yeah. Uh, no, but I just think back to whenever Brian Dumoulin was on those those cup winning teams. That's how we talked about Brian Dumoulin. He was the most underrated mm-hmm. player on the team, underrated defenseman on the team, and one of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL. He has become yeah. what we talked about Brian Dumoulin with. Listen, the, after a year of not making the playoffs, at least let let me talk about these this 2016 2017 team when i want to well hey hey they still have this basically the same version of Sidney crosby as crazy it is to say 30 games played 33 points so far for sid 18 goals 15 assists still playing about 20 minutes a night um i don't even know what else to say like he's been on 61 percent face-off percentage this year i there's not you look across the board right now uh certainly does not look his age and it's really just magnificent to watch i feel like every year i kind of have to remind myself like okay we got to appreciate this because we don't know when this is going to end but then he plays like this and it's just like oh it's never gonna end like so you almost take it for granted but i really have to remind myself every single night that i get to watch Sidney crosby how much i need to treasure watching this version of Sidney crosby um because you don't know but wow I, I I'm running out of words. Career high by right down. now in uh face off percentage, by the way. That's sixty percent. Yeah, I figured I figured it had to be. If not, I mean I was like, man, when did he maybe like two thousand eight or something like that? Like I didn't know when he would have had a higher face off percentage. Um uh, coincidentally when was the closest? Enough, it was two thousand nine, the two thousand nine mm. ten season. He okay. or wait, hold on, let me highlight this. And that would have been shortened, yeah. right? So it was yeah. Two thousand nine ten season. Um, no, the, the, the shortened season for him was 10, 11. Okay. All right. Um, so nine, 10, he had 56%. Steckel. Yeah. Trash. I, David Steckel is one of my all time most hated <laughs> athletes. He should be everybody. He, everybody that is a fan of hockey should feel that way. Like with what we look at Sidney Crosby right now and what he's doing and just think about being robbed of how much time of an even somehow better version, prime version of Sidney Crosby we were robbed of. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think it's really out of the question. If you look at that, that 2010, 11, 2011, 12, like where he only played mm-hmm. in, in, in so many games, if, if he has those full seasons and he continues those seasons on the points per game that he was playing at on those seasons, I don't think it's stupid right now that we're saying how many more seasons does it take Sid to get to 2,000 points? Because mm. as of right now, he is at 1535 and obviously still a point-per-game player. But if he had those seasons, like in that, that, that yeah. the same year, the year that he got hurt and David Steckel um, – took him out and he was out for I mean how many games after that I don't even know the the total number Well there was a and then there was a second hit was it Hedman Victor Hedman that hit him yeah. yeah Yeah He was on pace for 132 points in that year that that, that he got hurt in the Winter Classic So if he has seasons yeah. like that or another season like that after that I mean we're talking about more trophies in the case but we're also talking about more points more legacy to be like David mm-hmm. Steckel ruin Sidney Crosby's prime. You know what? I didn't have this on the, the bingo card for this episode to be talking about David Steckel, but yeah, um, really is a shame just for the game of hockey in general that, that we were robbed of, of this, but uh, yeah, just 
to to bring the conversation full circle, it is insane what Sidney Crosby is doing at 36 years old right now. Um, his the thing is, like we we I don't know how you've always liked to reference him, but it's like the most skilled grinder of all time because like the reason that he continues to age this way is just how good he is on the boards in the hockey sense. It's not so much just like natural like he's he's not the fastest skater, obviously never was, but certainly not at this age he wouldn't be or anything like that. But he just finds a way to continue to age with the times. Like his game just continues to transcend and like maybe just like a small tweak here or there to be able to keep up with the game, which is insane that we're still at this point. This might be, I mean, this this might sound crazy to a lot of people coming out of my mouth. I don't think Sidney Crosby is necessarily ever the most skilled at one yeah. particular thing when it came to hockey. When it, what, what, and you can pick you can pick whatever element of the game you want. I don't think Crosby was necessarily the most skilled at that one thing, unless you're talking about like a backhand shot. The thing that I, Crosby, yeah, the thing that Crosby has over everybody else is not only does he work harder than everybody else, he's just smarter. And I've said this to Sidney Crosby. To me, is the smartest hockey player of all time. You you take all the greats. I think the reason that you're seeing Crosby evolve the way that he is, and he's, I think he's going to be be able to continue to keep these types of seasons up because you're not seeing how something like where Ovechkin, for example, his goal scoring, a lot of that is the physicality of, of Ovechkin's game, and that can wear down over time, not necessarily the the smarts of Ovechkin's game. Obviously, Ovechkin's a very smart player too. But that's something that can wear down. Physicality can wear down as you age. But Sidney Crosby, honestly, in his prime, was arguably never the best at a single feat. And yet he was still the best player in the NHL because he was so good at all of those and worked so, so much to improve his game in every single area, including defensively. And... Yeah he was always just smarter than everybody on the ice. And I genuinely think that I think he is the smartest player of all time. I think every single step, every single time he steps on the ice, he's smarter than everybody else. And that's why when it comes to plays where we're still wondering, why does Sidney Crosby know where this player is or how he, we think he's pulling that off is because he just thinks that the game as a whole nother level than not only just us as the fans, but even the players on, on the ice. I mean, and we've seen players talk about that. Like he's just different. Obviously, he's Sidney Crosby. He's one of the best players of all time, a top four player, in my opinion, of all time. And I I think that he's just the, the smartest player that has ever played the game. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made. It's more impressive what he's doing right now at this moment in time than any other time in his career because of you know his age, the way that there's so much speed around the league, and he just has to continue to evolve his own game to kind of keep up with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've said this similar thing in terms of obviously completely different player, but like Chris Letang watching the way that his game has evolved. You look at him but now just two goals on the season. He's taking on so much more of a defensive role with the addition of Eric Carlson and doing it at a really high level. So I think that he deserves a ton of praise for his game evolving. But I think, again, trying to draw some comparisons here to Sidney Crosby, the way that his game has evolved. I think the argument is there that it's the most impressive season that he's had not the best but most impressive season that he's had so far to date we'll see where Sid ends up 
at the end of this season. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of point totals, goal totals, all that sort of stuff. But I just wanted to point out in the, the season that Wayne Gretzky was 36 years old, um, that Wayne Gretzky scored, let's see. I'll say I'll I'll do the season that he started the year at 36 years old. Wayne Gretzky scored 90 points in 82 games. So, yeah, yeah that's that's not out of the question for Sid. That's probably what he's on pace for right now. Uh, let me see. The only difference I see as far as like point goes, 90.2. There you go. <laughs> yep. There you go. I, I'm just saying the season that he started at 36 years old, he scored 90 goals. He had 23 goals in 82 games. I mean, Sid has 18 and 30. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's out of the question to say that like he's going to at least match that total, if not supersede it. Cause we've seen Sid like turn it on and get on the tears where he just goes on, on point tears. Yeah. Especially so, when the team's going to really need the points down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, Come February, March, if the Penguins are in a playoff spot, I'll be here on this show hammering the table once again for Sid to be in the heart conversation. There we go. Um, this was a very different conversation than the one that we were expecting to have. By the way, I, I'll mention this. Breaking the fourth wall, bringing you guys behind the curtain. No notes this week. There was absolutely nothing in the notes for any three of the sports. So no notes for this show. Just came in, wanted to talk about the game against the Leafs. I really didn't want to talk about the game at all. Game against the Wild. And then it completely turned into just praising Sidney Crosby again, which could happen basically every week on the Around the 412 Penguins show. Tyler, anything else? Did we have any questions from Twitter for this one? I know we had oh, some. Oh, crap. Yeah, we did. What am I doing? Um yeah, so <laughs> this person's name is funny. There, this person's username is literally the pain that never ends. Uh, how do the Penguins get younger and faster going forward? Um, this is an interesting conversation because faster, they don't necessarily have to go hand in hand, right? Because like there's guys on the roster right now that could provide them more speed if you threw them in there. Like when Matt Nieto comes back, he's still very fast skater. Vinny Hino-Straza, who's been a healthy scratch, is a very fast skater. Um, but like how those guys aren't necessarily upgrading the team. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about younger and better at the same time, I don't know that there's any internal solutions. You're probably going to have to look at the trade market. That's why I say like at some point here, I think as we get closer within the next month or so, I'll probably really dive into potential trade. Because like at this point in the year, everybody's outside of like maybe three teams at the bottom are still trying to compete right now. You'll have a more Mm -hmm. clear picture in February of who the buyers and sellers are going to be, regardless of where the Penguins stand. Don't see them being sellers, just like with the way that they've constructed this roster. I think they're kind of pushing all the chips in for as long as they have uh, their window open. Um, There's not somebody that comes to mind right away. It's going to have to be an outside addition, I think, to the bottom six that is going to provide them some speed. Keep playing Valtteri Pustin in. I think that's the solution here as well. And maybe there's somebody on the on the back end to maybe help and transition the way that Eric Carlson has, the way that Chris Letang does. If you're looking for maybe a third-pairing right-handed shot that could also move the puck uh, the way that those two do. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be anything drastic. I think that they kind of need to fit. They need to make the players fit a, or I'm sorry, they need to make a different system fit for the players as opposed to fitting these players in what was their system when they had more speed. I just don't think that that's a, a plausible solution for this team. 
I think the only way if you're talking about an immediate change for that to happen is, I mean, yeah, you could trade for somebody, but trades are never guaranteed. The only way that it's going to happen in-house is if you were to bring up more guys and they have success like Poston and has. And this this kind of this kind of goes full circle. You kind of have to go to look at what happened in that 2015-16 season, and that's how you get younger. You have to bring guys up, but not only have to bring them up, they have to hit, they have to stick, they have to play well, and they have to make a name for themselves at the NHL level. Like I, I, the problem is, I don't know that in house they necessarily have a lot of guys that I think would be able to do that. I mean, is someone like Colin White? Should he get an NHL shot? Could he be a guy that sticks around? Mm-hmm. Someone like Rem Pitlick, who they acquired this off season. Um, Jonathan Gruden. I mean, there's, these are just guys at the AHL level that I'm thinking of by name that could potentially come up to the NHL level and just kind of see where what they do. But in terms of being younger and faster in the in the the fast sense, that's the only way I feel like it realistically happens. But as a an organizational standpoint, and if you open up the window a little bit, they just have to start drafting better. They have to start developing better. That's been the Penguins' problem for years is that not only have they had poor drafts overall, but even guys that they have drafted, they've never been able to develop. So actually the very next question also regarding the Penguins is about uh, like a trade target. So I decided I'll just pull up a separate tab here and go through some guys that maybe make will make sense. The other part of this was, is Graves contract already an anchor? Yes. Um, it was before because they that- even it's played a shift. Well, that's what I say is, you know, you look at that term, very large commitment to a guy that probably didn't warrant that even on the surface. So, um, yeah, it has not aged well here very early. Again, not writing him off for his entire tenure, but it's hard to look at that and feel really good about it uh, in short or long term. Um, Just going through some guys here, I will say one name that immediately makes me kind of peek my ears here um, is Morgan Frost, who's in Philly right now. That is the the one thing that's kind of holding it back, right, is the fact he's in Philly, but he's still just 24 years old. You're talking about getting younger and then faster. I think that's a way to do it. Um, but, yeah, he's been a healthy scratch early in the season. It doesn't seem like he's one of Tortorella's guys. That could be an interesting one if the Flyers were willing to part with him. You know, getting a deal between the Penguins and Flyers could be a little bit harder to do. Um, I'll bring up another name, maybe not necessarily for as much speed as it is just like what he would bring to the middle six scoring. Frank Vetrano in Anaheim, who's had a really nice year and seems to always score against the Penguins. How can we prevent that from ever happening again? Bring him on to the Penguins. Uh, I've been a Frank Vetrano fan for a long time going back to his days in Boston. Obviously, he spent some time with the Rangers. Uh, and he's always scored seemingly against us every single time that he plays us. Um, so I think that would be an interesting one. I'm trying to look at guys that, again, I'm not like aiming for the moon here. Anthony Duclair, I feel like always linked to the Penguins, right? Like he could make some sense. He's playing in San Jose right now. They're certainly going to be uh, a team that is is selling. Um, hmm. Oh, you know what? I feel like we just got to include him just because He's only on a one-year deal. What about the idea of bringing Jason Zucker back? I'm for it. <laughs> I I am for it. It you'd have to finagle the cap. I feel like in order to to do oh, sure. that. Yeah. What's he making? Five <clears throat> something? Five three? Yeah. So you'd have to definitely finagle with the cap, but I'd be all for it, uh, especially if a guy like Pustin and Fitz, and you're moving one of Rust or Raquel down to the third line. You could have a third line of Lars Eller and let's say let's record Raquel and Jason Zucker on it. Um, I'm, 
I'm all for exploring that if, if that is the case. I also think that um, Morgan Frost would be an interesting one. But yeah, being a flyer, don't know how often yeah. those trades between the Flyers and the Penguins are actually going to come to fruition. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, Rick Tockett was a in in one of those trades when they whenever they did happen before. So it's it's possible. But last year he did have 46 points in 81 games. Like you said, 24 years old, really intriguing player. And while you were talking, I did look up out of curiosity, who does Frank Vetrano have the most goals against in his NHL career? It is your Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, matches and the eye test, right? I mean, the next highest is eight, tied yeah. with uh, Tampa Bay, San Jose, Montreal, and Chicago. But yeah, 10. Wow. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that, that matches the eye test. So, um, the shooting percentage against the Penguins is 25%. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking, you know, would they shoot for the moon on like an Elias Lindholm or something like that who could be available from Calgary? Um, a name that was a, that I thought about last year was Adam Henrique. I don't know, maybe they circle back on that one. That could make some sense here. Again, you're not talking like super young guys here. Morgan Frost is probably the one to target if you're looking at like eight, he's still just 24 years old. Uh, if he's available, that's obviously not just a move for the short, short term like some of these other guys are. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see. I think that's... Something probably to table, though, um, at least until like this time next month. Maybe it's a different conversation than the one we're having right now, but that's where I'm at with it. Tyler, I don't know if you have anything else. No, nope, that's it. I, I think that you kind of just have to wait and see how your your play develops. And you're still, yeah, waiting I mean, I'm saying, the- I'm assuming that the Penguins don't get into a position where they would be a seller, but like if the next month goes really bad. Pfft, we could be talking about, oh, should they trade Jake Gensel? Should they trade Riley Smith? Like, you know, beyond those two, I don't know who would make sense. But those two on the surface could if this team is in a really bad spot by deadline. Try to dump the Graves contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, as always, I just wanted to look and see. Okay, so next up also, by the way, I should mention Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas. Won't be recording another episode till after Christmas. We'll also be doing uh, at some point in the near future, by the time you guys are watching or listening to this, uh, the episode where we announce the winners of all the stuff from Rocking Around the 412 to everybody that donated. At least $10, you will be eligible to win a prize. Um, so the next time we record, we get the Hurricanes Thursday, Senator Saturday, uh, they play the Islanders next Wednesday. I don't know when we're going to record because of the holidays. So that'll be interesting. So stay in, keep in touch with us. I mean, at around the 412, you guys know where to follow us at this point. So I don't know exactly what the recording schedule is going to look like next week uh, because of the holiday, because of the Penguin schedule as well. So, yeah, I can't say for sure. Two or three games to talk about on the next episode. TBD. Yeah. Um, For Tyler, for myself. Oh. Sorry, Haley. Everything Custom Designs is in the description, whether you're watching or listening to this. Facebook and Etsy links. Get yourself some customized apparel, T-shirts, hoodies, etc. Um, Christmas time, she had a lot of cool stuff going on. Maybe go look at what people got this year, and then you can start planning for 2024 because it's donezo for 2023. But maybe get an early jump on a different holiday if you were interested in that type of thing or just any time of year apparel. Everything but hats. Custom designs by Haley Wang. You can find the links to both of those uh, in the description of the show. For Tyler, for myself, this has been the Around the 4 and 2 Penguin Show. Click on another video popping up right now, and we'll see you next week.